A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. Matt Messiano, Jordan Weimer and Tom Burdell all here. Um, and... We're going to do things a little bit differently uh, today because we quite often chat about the, the most recent game, which is what we'll, we'll do that anyway, do that anyway. But I don't feel as though there's a huge demand for us to go in to great detail about all of the five wonderful goals that Man City uh, scored today. What, what, what do you think, guys? Do you think people want to hear about that? Well, I had written some extensive notes on every single goal, but I guess we'll um, just brush over those and kind of summarise the game a little bit quicker. That's what... That's what's desired. I think that's probably what's desired. Uh, And then we're going to go into um, a bit more detail about a question that we got. uh, I'm not sure if it was last episode or the episode before, but it was a really good one about uh, what we think we we could have in the championship next season. I I think too, if we also include like a kind of a a slightly, not generalised, but you kind of have an idea of the sorts of players we want as well. Even if we can't name specifics, if it's too difficult to um to identify a specific realistic target you know you might want to just discuss the type of player that we want in 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 the team based on what we have currently and what's likely to leave etc just so we definitely cover the bases without uh missing anything too much well said jordan yes we will do that as well um right let's get into it then um watford uh played on saturday it was uh three o'clock and it was watford versus manchester city or rather manchester city versus watford and um i think i need to congratulate every watford fan that went up to um to the Etihad because that couldn't have been uh, an easy trip to make, Tom. No, I saw some, I presume it was a City fan, tweet saying, oh, what a terrible turnout by Watford. But you think if, you know, the cost of everything at the moment and then the appeal of going up to a a ground where we routinely get spanked um, must be fairly minimal. You know, even the appeal of seeing Man City's probably worn off at this stage, hasn't it? So no fair play to anyone that went up there. I mean, must have been in hope rather than expectation or trying to complete the set and go to every away game this season because I can't imagine many people picked that one out of a hat and said, I particularly want to go and, and get a, watch us uh, ship the usual five or six up there. But I mean, in fairness, it was a significant improvement on last time. We even scored a goal, didn't we? So I was, <laughs> especially when we conceded after four minutes, I was um, pretty fearful, but... All in all, five one feels like a almost a moral victory. Yeah, you wasn't the only one that was fearful, Tom. I mean, in Roy's uh, pre-match press conference, he was pretty much almost saying that we were going to go up there and lose, wasn't he? Yeah, 
this is this is really. I'd love to hear what you guys think about this because this has seemingly really rubbed people up the wrong way on Twitter. Some of the things that Roy Hodgson has said, and you know, people saying, "Oh, he's just he doesn't care. He's he's only here for a laugh, etc." But to be honest, I kind of admire his honesty. Like it's, it's nothing that we aren't as fans saying. And if it if it went the other way, and, and he was saying, "Oh, you know." We, you know, we can stay up and sort of being defiant, you know, or we expect to stay up or being overly kind of bullish, positive, defiant. I think people say, come on, we pay our money. We see we see the same game as you. We're not idiots. You know, why are you trying to, you know, treat us, um, you know, treat us as, as if we're kind of naive to the situation? So, I mean, he's damned if he does and he's damned if he doesn't, I guess. But, yeah, personally, I've not had a problem with his honesty, um, but that may just be me. No, I mean, as someone who, you know, used to ask the uh, the Watford manager after every game about how, how he felt, it went, I mean, it must be quite nice to, to sort of see this uh, this different uh, this different viewpoint that you're getting from, uh, from him. Yeah, definitely. He's he's almost come in with an attitude, I think, hasn't he? Of, and this maybe was why people get kind of wound up about it. He has come in with an attitude of, he knows he's only here for, Whatever it was, three, four months at the time, um, he can. He he's not. You know, he's got no designs on keeping the job, so he can afford to be honest. He can afford to speak his mind and not have to kind of necessarily toe the line. And and he said as much in the the, the kind of post match stuff, didn't he? I read the athletic piece today, and he sort of said, you know, if if they if the owners think they can do better with someone else, then we'll step aside, kind of thing. And if they ask for our opinion, we'll give our opinion. If they don't, we won't give it. You know, and. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think sometimes people get so, because it's your club and, you know, all supporters do this, you get so invested in it and, and, and think that everyone else should, should kind of treat the club the same way and with the same kind of affection that you do, um, that it becomes difficult to sort of separate the two things. But it is, for these people, it is a job ultimately, and particularly for someone like Roy Hodgson, who's had his career and had a good career, and has come out of retirement effectively to to do this job as uh, as almost like a you know kind of consultant really on a short term basis. Um, you know, as I say, he's damned if he does and he's damned if he doesn't. But I haven't got a problem overly with him being honest with what he said. Some of the things he said about specific points regarding matches, tactics, decisions, I found a little bit strange at times. But I think you know broadly, he's not said anything that outrageous. Speaking of it being a short-term project, I've been a little bit surprised at how many um, places have been discussing Roy as a potential candidate to continue on next season. I don't think it's likely mm. myself, but it does seem that, that some people do think think so. And was, am I wrong in thinking there was even some reference to this in, in a recent post on The Athletic as well mm. about Hodgson being a possib- possibility of staying on? Is that true? No, it was there, wasn't it? Yeah, which is honestly horrifying to hear, isn't it? I think um, regardless of... I think, I think the, the the scale of opinion on Hodgson is is actually kind of more varied than perhaps Twitter will have you believe at times. I think uh, yeah. I, I think it's it's not so so much against him unanimously like it would seem, but um, I do think it would be it would be a, a frustrating decision to see us go down there, kind of whichever side of the coin you really fall on. I think it is something you want to see us be moving in a more positive direction. Like, I, I don't know. I think that the idea of Hodgson sticking around next season would be quite a worrying one for me personally. But yeah, I have been a little bit surprised to see how many people have been discussing that as a possibility. I just don't feel like it's the right it's the right move to, to keep him in place. I, I don't think that he would necessarily be 
you know, that bad in the championship. It's just that I, I feel as though um, what the fans are crying out for is for, um, you know, this young, progressive, hungry manager to prove himself um, or herself. I mean, I wouldn't be against, um, you know, one of, one of the leading female coaches to come in in the, uh, in the women's game or something. I think that'd be a, a really refreshing approach, actually. I don't see it happening, but that'd, that'd, be, a, that'd be a good option, actually. I think to give Jordan his dues, right at the start of Roy Hodgson's tenure, I was pretty pro it. I thought in the circumstances, this is a good appointment. And Jordan was very much at the opposite end of the scale. Um, and I think he's been proven right. And I think for the, for the reasons that were kind of outlined and the reasons that we've seen in the in the time that he's been in charge, and I'll give him given someone else some credit as well, some props as well. Lou Orms mm. has done a lot of kind of digging around in the kind of numbers around Roy Hodgson's time at Palace and tried to kind of bust some of the myths and some of the cliches which I'll, I'll pull my hands up, I would say I fell into kind of uh, regurgitating, um, you know, and, and kind of reported a bit of what the sort of Palace, Palace fans have said and felt about his time um, there. You know, he did a, a job in terms of keeping them up, but they weren't, you know, a progressive, exciting side with a, a plan or a style of play and attack. You know, Wilfred Zahar and, and Joel Ward have said some fairly damning things. And while on the face of it, you know, the the results they achieved, they got at least one win at Manchester City and kind of stayed comfortably mid-table in the Premier League, were, were good enough. I think, you know, they didn't really inspire supporters or players alike. And, you know, with not too many signings this summer, they they have kicked, or some are just gone, I should say, they kicked on dramatically uh, Palace. And although the finishing position might not end up being, you know, worlds apart from what they've achieved over the last three years was it under Roy Hodgson I think the feeling around the place and the blueprint for the future in terms of recruitment in terms of style of play and identity is is far far removed from where they were under Roy Hodgson if we are to believe and buy into the idea that um, we are going to have someone who is younger and is going to be given an opportunity to shape the team and what have you and 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 really stick with them and, and show faith in them and not change at the first sign of trouble, then I think we we ultimately need somebody who is younger, who has a clearly defined style of play and a plan and an identity and that, you know, we can really believe and buy into what they're trying to do. Um uh, and that in the nicest possible way isn't Roy Hodgson. Yeah, I just think I just think at this at this time of the this time of football, I think you really have to to try and find yourself as close to cutting edge as you can, and especially when you're trying to break into a, a, a league of twenty teams, which are all kind of competing at a high level and looking for routes to be competitive. Um, I think we're so we're so kind of off the curve in, in, in quite a few areas that it makes it very very difficult for us to compete and be able to stay in that division. And I think when it comes to getting back, you still have to take in the same philosophies and principles. You have to find ways to to be to be adaptive to the, the, the situation that we're currently in. And I think if you look at kind of going down and rebuilding, yeah, you know, a, a manager is, is a is a key component for that. For me, a big part of it is the manager, of course, but I think it's also just seeing how the club restructures itself rather than just saying, this is our manager, this is what we're investing in. Um, we're going to give him time to shape things. That's that's great. I'd hundred percent be behind that. But as well, you want to see what we're doing kind of off the field to facilitate that. Um, and also, we still have to be smart. Still have to have our contingencies because you know we've we've seen what we did 
um, uh, with, with Marco Silva and what happened with Marco Silva. I think that was actually a time which is very, very similar and probably the closest we've actually been to um, instilling that sort of project of, of having a younger, more progressive coach. We actually want to kind of, in some ways, replicate that situation, but just actually be able to see it through a little further. But yeah, again, you have to have a backup plan. You, you don't know how these things can go. Um, and if you have that behind the scene work, put into place that foundation structure to build from, be able to bring these coaches in and move on, then that's that's the way we, we, we need to go. And hopefully um, in the coming months, we start to see signs of that um, that beginning. We're uh, we're strolling a little bit away from the uh, the first part that we wanted to talk about, which was the game itself. And I understand completely why, because it's not uh, it's not fun talking about it. But did we learn anything new from from that game, Jordan? Was there anything that, that we didn't know before that we, we now know? Um, that we didn't know. Oh God. Um, no, I think it was it wasn't a ton to take away for, from that game. I, I think we kept, we kind of came into it expecting to lose. Of course, uh, going down. Early, I think a lot of us expected. It seems to be quite a habit when we play away at, at Man City. Um, we obviously got a few kind of highlights. Obviously, Kamara's goal was was nice to see, and it kind of you know felt like he earned a, earned his, his name in the score sheet over over a few appearances, and that was positive. But we didn't really do anything particularly interesting on, on the pitch to to really draw from too much. Uh, it was very much kind of what we've seen previously. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly one of those games that it passes by and there's no real desire to, to dig into it too much further in terms of breaking down the way we played and what we tried to do to stop City. It was very much um, quite run-of-the-mill for this this Watford team, I'd say. I'd say that, um, I mean, you're right, of course, that Hassan Kamara um, deserved his goal. It was a great little worked effort, you know, from start to finish. But um, he was well assisted by Dennis, who I felt had a decent game in the last fixture. And we did talk about that. But I feel as though he, he followed that up again uh, against Man City. And it, it's always hard to, you know, to to shine against a team like Man City. But you know, I've, I felt as though he didn't do, um, you know, himself any, any disservice in, in that one, despite the, you know, the large scoreline. Yeah, I think it's it's weird actually. To, uh, I feel like Dennis has become quite a divisive figure in in recent, re- at least the last couple of weeks, um, in terms of fan opinion. I feel like people have gone very one side or the other um, in, in regards to kind of his imp- maybe not his impact is a bit unfair, but his his form of late. Um, I, I've definitely been one that's been somewhat critical of him, but I think there has to be some nuance to it. I don't think anyone should be critical to the point of saying that he's not had a good season. I mean, obviously he's. He's been involved in the majority of our goals and he's been the most important player when it comes to, to scoring and creating chances. He's been very, very effective for us. But I think there's also room to kind of discuss about um, his form in more recent weeks and how there are some elements of his game. Not everything, but there are some elements of his game that have, have gone off the board a little bit for me. Um, and, you know, that does have an impact. And I'm not saying that it's, it's maybe not as fair to criticise him because of the fact that he does still contribute. But, you know, it's a conversation worth having. Um, but in, in terms of Dennis and his, his kind of future fee, I think, it, as, as you say there, Tom, it is important he plays well. It does help us because we he is a player we should move on from in the summer, regardless, I think, of of outcome. He's he's the sort of player we bring in to, to kind of take on these fees and able to move them out and, and reinvest, hopefully, in a smart way. And I, I think Dennis has been a really good example of how, um, how we can operate and how we should look to operate in the transfer market when we can. Uh, and hopefully he's a good advertisement for other players looking to do a similar sort of thing because we benefit very heavily from these sort of situations. This is a a big win for the recruitment team in terms of bringing in someone like Dennis that we can move on. He can be effective for a season. We can move on and, and look to reinvest. So I, I think regardless of criticism, it's been it's been a positive that, 
I mean, it's very easy to say. It's quite obvious it's been a positive, but it does need to be repeated that it is actually a positive thing we've had in this season. And uh, yeah, I think he's he has been important. I'll just say one very quick, very cynical thing on, on Dennis. The more good games he can have, ditto Ishmael Asar between now and the end of the season, the better. Because although some people go, oh, well, it's come too late, it's easy to try now. We just need him to finish on a on a high so we can sell him for as much money as possible this summer. We do, we do, because he's going to go one way or another and it's going to affect his price, isn't it? So yeah, you're right. Pe- for, you know, people are inherently lazy and stupid. So if if he has a good sort of final five games now, or six games now, people will forget that he's been, um, you know, short of his best form for the last however long. We might get an extra five, ten million for him. Probably not that much, but you know what I mean? Um, and, and every little counts, as a, as a supermarket once said. Should have scored one himself, though, to be fair. But I, I mean, he, he, I, I still think that he um, he has potential. You know, if he gets the, the signing that he wants to um, to carry on playing in the Premier League, you know, at a decent standard. Two other players that I want to mention, um, mainly because they haven't featured much of late, were Tom Cleverley and and Ngakia. Um What do you think the feeling was behind their introduction um, from the off, Jordan and um, did they either either of them demonstrate anything that uh, you can learn from? So cleverly in Ngaki, yeah. I mean, I thought Ngaki had quite a poor game. Um, he's not he's not really had the opportunity to develop uh, like we would have wanted him to last season. Obviously, he didn't get as many minutes as he may have hoped, and I think he still looks a little bit a little bit raw. And defensively, he can he can be very good in one on one situations. There are a couple of occasions where he did struggle. Of course, he's playing against um, a, a very high standard of, of opponent. Um, and in possession too, there's a couple of occasions where he carried the ball, but his distribution was was questionable. And, you know, I still think there's a player in there, but it's finding the right fit for him. And I, I do question if he suits the sort of team that we're, we're going to look to be um, in the coming months. As for Cleverly, I think Cleverly's at the point now where, yes, he has his use, but I don't think he's, he's a player that should be starting for us in, in, unless it's an emergency situation. I just don't think he offers enough. I understand the way at Man City maybe want the the attributes he brings to the game, maybe want them more in this one than others. But uh, I just think we need to be looking in a in a different direction. I think it's a conversation we'll get into um, when we talk about the team for next season. But I, I just think we have too many of, of a similar sort of midfielder and some of the others around him that offer some of those attributes that he does in terms of uh, work rate, energy, and and work of the ball. Still have a little bit more in terms of use of the ball and possession. I think we we just struggle when we have someone like Cleverly in there. Um, and whilst he's obviously been important for us in a lot of games, especially last season, I, I do think his time with Watford is definitely drawing towards an end. I thought yesterday he kind of highlighted that. Tom, is there anything that you wanted to add? The only thing I was going to say, and this is a broader point rather than anything, I guess, is that obviously she comes absolutely no surprise we've beaten. It should come as no surprise we've beaten handsomely. And City do this to a lot of teams. You know, they, I'm sure they've done it to better teams. Uh, than us this season, or at least, you know, teams with greater resources and better players. You know, they absolutely humbled Man United a week or so ago as well, didn't they? A couple of weeks ago as well, didn't they? So, you know, although albeit Man United are having a horrible season, they've got far better players and far greater resources than us. They should be, you know, closer to City than we are. Um, the thing I was going to say was just how frustratingly soft and just crap goals were. I mean, I looked it up because I'm this sort of pedant, but we conceded after four minutes, Gabriel Jesus, uh, just, you know, if he had more space, he'd be an astronaut. Uh, But Swindon Town held out until the 14th minute. That's League Two Swindon Town held out until the 14th minute when they played City in the Cup. 
bottom of the championship, Peterborough held out for an hour against Man City in the FA Cup recently. Um, there was another one. They played another fairly small team this season. Wickham, who they beat 6-1 in the end. League One Wickham in the League Cup didn't concede until the 29th minute. And all right, it was a weakened team, but they still had De Bruyne, Foden, Sterling, Mares and Torres starting that game. So I can understand conceding a goal like that if you've been back to the wall for, you know, 45, 50, 60 minutes, whatever it may be, and you've just... You know, it's hard to concentrate for that long. I get that. You know, you're not seeing the ball. You've got to be switched on mentally the entire time. But four flipping minutes and or less than four minutes, uh, and you can see the goal like that. It just sets the tone, doesn't it? Just, you know, and obviously we, there, there's only you, there's only so much we can expect because the kind of the gap between us and them. But it's just feeble. And even like the even the Rodrigo goal, the Rodrigo goal, Obviously, it's a peach and the guy scores goals from outside the box uh, more than most. But if you look, if you just freeze frame it, there's absolutely no pressure on the ball at all. You know, there's no one within, um, if it was match of the day or sky, they'd draw a circle around him and say how there was no one within however many yards. Of it. It's just, you know, it's easy for him, really. Um, even I think it was Saar sort of half-heartedly sort of, steps out but he's nowhere near him it's just you know just the whole thing is half-hearted and you know it's you know we were never going to win obviously it's not going to make a difference at this stage but it's just it's just feeble isn't it you just think and you know the one thing I that gave me hope above all else when Roy Hodgson came in and the reason why I said oh I think it's actually quite a good appointment is that I thought he'd get them organized he'd get them and and there's been improvements and yes you're playing the best team in the league or one of the two best teams in the league so I don't you know, I don't want to get carried away. And, and maybe I'm wrong. So, obviously, either of you shout up if you disagree. But I just thought, flipping it. It's just so easy. One of Jesus' other goals was that Jesus' other goals was the header where he was completely unmarked. You just think, you know, at least do those basics well. At least do those basics well. And then if, if Rodri scores a worldie, but, you know, he was surrounded by players or, or, or Jesus scores his header, but he's had to absolutely fight and scrap and stretch every sinew in his neck to get there then, all right, you've done everything you can. But it was just crap on it. And then, and then the goal, you know, Hassan Kamara's obviously done fairly well since he came in, but the goal, uh, was it 14 seconds into the second half, you know, fresh off the back of whatever Roy Hodgson and Ray Lewington had to say, and he tucks Ben Foster up like that, and you just think, oh, why do we even bother? Do you know what I mean? Why do we even bother? So there you are. There's my overriding thoughts, final thoughts. Well, no, no, you're right. You're right, Tom, to, to say that we should have held out longer. I, if you even think back to uh, to Roy's uh, pre-match uh, press conference, what it, the, the things he said was, um, we're not going to go toe-to-toe with them because we'll lose doing that. So we're going to make it really difficult for them. Is what it, Did we? Did we make it difficult exactly. for them? I, I'd say we made it extremely easy for them. It, uh, it beggars belief. Yeah, I mean, that sometimes it's, sometimes plans fall apart quicker even if they're good plans you know it, it's the it's the chaos of of a fluid sport like football it's not always necessarily an indication of a bad plan if you if you plan to hold out and you have these ideas in place to to, to come away with a certain sort of result or, or find a find a way of getting a result in a certain manner it doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't a good one just because you can see it earlier the, the problem is there's not been any indication or any indicators from previous games either that we have something really in mind to actually disrupt the opponent and and find ways of winning those sorts of games. So when you go into that game and 
and you do concede so early in the manner in which we conceded too, um, it, it's just more of the same when it comes to uh, comes to Watford defending in these sorts of games. It's, it's something that's obviously been across multiple managers, not just Hodgson. But um, if you come in with your your kind of main um, your main trait, your main asset that you, you kind of describe yourself as a defensive organized coach, and you you struggle to actually kind of get any any sort of organization amongst the team, it, it does become frustrating. It does become difficult because you know, as you say, it's 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 very very unpleasant to watch your team go down so early when that's your main your main opportunity to to actually come with any sort of point or three is to be that defensive hard to break down team you haven't got a plan b we, we're not we're not facilitating a, a, a plan b with that setup it's literally go there try and contain try and keep yourself in the game and maybe on one of those breaks like the, you know the opportunity we had by Cancelo played the ball into midfield and we got through on the on the counter-attack there's nothing to snatch from that if you if you can't stay within the game and going down so early it's just it's a huge blow um and we kind of saw the we saw the effects of that as we've seen many times before nice little move for the goal for the the Watford scored you know the, the ball over the top and um you know a very decent shot from Kamara to to put it past Edison and you know at that point um we're all a little bit hopeful that maybe we could get back into it it was it was um good finish yeah yeah game was on for a minute I mean, I do, I do love an underlapping fullback run. So that was nice to see a goal come from that. And yeah, it, it was definitely the highlight of the game from a Watford perspective, for sure. Indeed. Right. Okay. Let's draw a line under the Manchester City game there. A um, couple of things to take away from the weekend in general. Um, it's quite interesting that the, uh, the tables have turned a bit for Burnley. Burnley, who uh, got a bit of um, um, a telling off, I suppose, from other fans for, for getting rid of Sean Dyche, seemingly. Are um are being proved right here. They've managed to uh, pick up a couple of results after after parting ways with him, and um, coupled with Everton's um you know disappointing results, they've managed to go above them in the table, albeit with Everton still having a, a game in, in hand. It's uh it, it's it's really heating up at that at that at that sort of um seventeenth eighteenth position spot. Who's gonna who's gonna be the be the one to um to miss out on Premier League football? Yeah, we, and we really could have. It's, it adds. It just makes it so much more frustrating because we really could have been around that group if we just been a little bit more effective in certain games. We could have been in that in that position to kind of fight these teams, especially with the fixtures we have coming up. Imagine if we had picked up, you know, a couple more wins, we would have been straight right in that pack coming into these two games against Burnley and Everton. Would have been huge, but um, I, I mean, right now it looks like it looks like Burnley, and that does bring up the debate, which I've seen being discussed a, a fair amount on online. Is kind of who would you actually rather come down with us when, if we are to go down when that is, if that if and when that is confirmed, who suits us more to come down? Who are you more open for? Is it Everton or is it Burnley? It's a tough decision. I'm, I'm kind of not really sure which one I fall on right now. I would quite like to see Everton go down, or would completely like to see Everton go down. I was tweeting today. I think. Um... Obviously, you know, we, they're long overdue some revenge for the 1984 FA Cup final. Um, but more sort of pertinently and more recently, they're, they're probably one of the few clubs that are more chaotic and disorganised and lacking in identity than us. So they've spent something like half a billion pounds, haven't they, over the last five, six years, whatever it is, since Farhad Mashiri's been the owner. And I just think mm. they kind of deserve it. Them and Man United are probably two of the clubs that are in greater kind of disarray than us. So... Yes, it would be quite amusing to see them go down, not least because of how they crowed about uh, taking Marco Silva off us and really sort of just, you know, ruined that season for us. Uh, so, yes, I won't 
I won't uh, I won't be disappointed if they go down. So we are kingmakers now, really, aren't we, in the relegation battle? Although we can still survive um, are, with their yeah. with their Everton to come, or Burnley and Everton to come. We need to do the right thing and probably let Burnley win and then beat Everton. And given those games are both at home, fifty percent of that's a done deal. So you know, fingers crossed, right? Yeah. There's definitely every chance, yeah. You're, you're not wrong. Nice. Well, I mean, do you think Everton would be a harder prospect in, in the championship than Burnley, though? Yeah, 100%. Yeah? 100%. Yeah. There's there's no question that they'll, um, uh, you know, it's a very similar situation to uh, to when Newcastle, West Ham have been down. I think you'll see the same same approach, and I think it would, it would work for them. It's, you know, they, they do have the resources at their disposal. They, they are big enough to to kind of overpower uh, and they're attracting those sorts of teams are always an opportunity for um for you know high level players in the kind of upper end of the championship lower end of the premier league looking for a starting um spot or a route to a club that's actually kind of bigger than their own that they're currently at it's 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 an interesting one when those teams do get relegated how the how their squads kind of turn around and and the way they operate but generally i do, I do think it does it does have an advantage for teams like everton you, you're going to see them come down and i think burnley is, is a little bit different i think they have to be a little bit more pragmatic um and it might see them kind of drift off a little bit even though they could still be um competitors in, in the championship of course i think that um everton's definitely gonna be the bigger threat yeah I, I agree with that unfortunately but uh i'm i'm, I'm with you tom i would like them selfishly to um <laughs> to come down to the championship just as just as payback, <laughs> even if it means that it's it's one less spot that we can go for uh, for the automatics. Although, to be honest, I, I, I've already said my piece on this in the previous part. I don't think we're going to be uh, challenging for that next season. But um, yeah. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. 
But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Okay, um, let's move on then to uh, the next part of this pod. And we are going to be answering a, uh, a question that we got in a couple of weeks ago in a bit more detail. Tom, I'll hand this over to you because you've got the question in front of you and you've also started us off with uh, a lovely bit of Excel spreadsheet work I've seen. Yeah. Yes, so it was from at WFC Mumsy. What would be your dream team in the championship, including any new but realistically possible signings? And if Martinez signs, what's his system and style? I think we've done um, Martinez to death. Probably will never have anything to do with Watford based on the amount of coverage that he's received. Um, but yes, I and I'll share this. I shared this on Twitter, sorry, earlier today. Just sort of by position by position, tried to take a very wild stab at what I thought the squad might look like next year with the existing players. So no new signings, just the guys that are under contract for next season, returning from loans, etc. And I think it's incredibly difficult. A bit, you know, working on the basis that we assume we're in the championship, it's kind of like last time we went down, very hard to know who's still going to be here. Um, we can make some educated guesses, but so dream squad might not be the answer because I guess if I was, if it was the dream squad, I would immediately say that some of the kind of high-profile players like Dennis and um, Saar would still be here, for example. Reasonably mm. assume they'd have fun in the championship. But yes, we can. How do we want to do it? We're going to go through it position by position and a little bit of discussion around each. Yeah, I think that sounds like a good a good way to to approach it, Tom. Cool. So, in terms of goalkeepers. Yeah, this is we where have, there could be a lot of a lot of movement, right? Yeah, we have a lot of goalkeepers one way or another. Um, at the moment, we have uh, Maduka Okoye, Daniel Backman, Rob Elliott and Pontus Dahlberg under contract next season. And Ben Foster isn't. I presume we all think that Ben Foster will leave at the end of the season, come what may. Yeah, I think it has to be, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, um, in terms of what Ben Foster has said, um, and I, 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 you know, for my sins, I do occasionally tune into his 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 channel because um, because sometimes it was interesting. Uh, I mean, not so much now, but it used to be. Watching it in the Championship, it was quite interesting. You don't have to justify that. It's okay. <laughs> well, he he said something on the lines of he wants to he wants to spend two more seasons. Um, uh, playing football, but he's also mentioned that he would like to go and spend a season in America, and um, and after that, I think he wants to do various things with hashtag United and stuff like that. But um, as far as his, his podcast and his um, his YouTube is concerned, um, it is more uh, probably positive for him to be involved in football still for as long as he can be. So. I don't know if he would necessarily turn down the option of staying with us for another year if that was on the table. But but I think for um for every hope we have of, of sort of becoming that more progressive team that we that we that we want, I, I don't feel as though he should be around any any anymore, you know, like a thank you yeah. for your service and, and there's the door type thing. What do you reckon? 
I think we have to recalibrate and set a new tone at the, at the club. And I think as you know, no matter what side of, of things you fall on with Foster, I think it's it's fair to say that um, for a new for a, a varying amount of reasons, you want to kind of move away um, from from Ben Foster. You could whether that's down to his his other interests, whether that's down to you know if that if you feel that his his commitment is lacking, if you feel that his wages will be too high, or you know his age, there's lots of reasons to move on from Ben Foster. And I think having a, a contract ending is a clear break point that makes it you know pretty pretty amicable and, and fair for things to move move forward and move in a different direction. I think we shouldn't be spending um, large salaries on a on a backup goalkeeper, and I think he probably shouldn't be our starter if we're looking to. To develop this squad, I think you'll be looking at someone a little bit younger, someone that you can actually have for a couple of seasons rather than having this short-term bridge player in uh, in Foster. We've brought in some young keepers. We have some available to us. Let's try and give those a go and see how that pans out, I think. Okay. Um, Daniel Backman then, he um, obviously you know had a number of games in the championship and I think he proved that he's good enough at that level. So should he be given the gloves once again? Personally, I think it'll be a coy, right? Unless he was on operating under the illusion that he would be you know a premier league number one next season uh but you have to reasonably assume he kind of expected there was every chance to be in the championship i I put on my kind of spreadsheet i'd put a question mark next to back because i just wonder if you know from the noises we've heard pretty consistently if not being number one kind of tallies with what he wants next season and maybe he will say right i want to move at this stage i want to go you know he's not young young for a goalkeeper is he's 26, 27, I'm assuming he wants to go and make it as a number one somewhere. And if they've already signed McCoy, and unless I'm kind of reading too much into it and he's not going to be the number one, then there's going to be a battle for it. Um, yeah, he might find himself on the bench again, unhappy. Yeah, so this is, goalkeepers are actually the positional group where I think could be a curveball for a signing coming in. I think it 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 seems because we have a large number of goalkeepers on the books that you know one of them will be getting the starting spot. But I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be shocked if we if we did bring in another another starting goalkeeper, um, someone we feel we can rely upon from now. I think you you kind of look at building towards a promotion season, and there have been some some questionable aspects of Backman um, over this season too, uh, in, in regards to wanting to be here and whether he'll be here in this coming season. Okoye is still, you know, he's un he's untested. In, in a sense, so I think watching him the African Cup of Nations, he was a little less polished than I kind of hoped he would be. I'm not saying he's not good. I haven't watched enough of him to really give a fair assessment on that. But um, he's definitely not a, a player you're kind of coming in thinking that he's going to definitely hit the ground running. You might have to to work through mm. a few few issues there. So it wouldn't surprise me if we did see be kind of a one-two situation of Akoye and Backman. Or it also, okay. on the other hand, wouldn't surprise me if we saw um, kind of us move on from Backman, Foster, maybe maybe Dahlberg, maybe give Akoye a loan or, or have him as number two and bring a keeper in. I think it's a, it's a tough one to call. Um, but I think it really depends on which way we go. And it, as well, I think we kind of have to consider um, whether it's, you know, Martinez or someone else. I, I do suspect that the team is going to have to, or the the club are going to have to look at restructuring this team uh, to find a way for us to be a little bit more, a little bit more balanced and offensively potent. I think a big part of that is going to be uh, quality and possession. I think just to kind of before we get too ahead of ourselves, I will just say quick: we're discussing off air a little bit too um, when it comes to reshaping this squad. Last last season, the championship, we had a lot of pace and power on the wings, and Ismail Assar was so key to so much of that. And I think. Now dropping back down the championship, we'd have to have to find some some other ways of playing, and uh, uh, one of those 
avenues we most likely go down is finding some players that can that can play the ball a little through midfield but also that can start from goalkeeper too so you might be looking at um, a goalkeeper that could potentially come in and offer us a little bit more in possession too I know Backman had his moments but uh, that could be a trait that that is lacking from that group at this point you also have to point out that um, Okoye I don't believe uh, would count on his home growing because he hasn't unless I'm wrong here he hasn't uh, been a youth for any English club yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure on his work permit issue, but I think I they expect him to be part of the team, don't they? So he, he am would, I wrong? He would he would be an international um, allocation, wouldn't he? Yeah. Whereas Backman he, he would wouldn't. Be. Whereas Backman wouldn't be, and I don't think Pontus Dalberg would be either. Um, Rob Elliott certainly wouldn't be. No, no. So, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure. Instantly, those other ones um, have you know that advantage over over a toy. Yeah, it's true. I'm not entirely sure. It's very difficult to. There's so many factors in, involved in the in, in the work permit issues. I'm not entirely sure on Okoye, to be quite honest with you. Is there anything to be said for Elliot or Dahlberg, or do you think that they're at different ends of their? Um, I think I think Elliot's proven he's quite happy to be an experienced number three, hasn't he? And I don't, I don't think there'd be an issue any issue if, for example, Backman did lose the battle to be number one. I don't think there'd be any issue with Elliot even stepping up to be number two, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Pontus Dahlberg, I fully suspect, is set for another loan or just being bombed out at this stage. Just whatever they can do to get him away playing football. Is that fair? I just, how, yeah, how I think we think he seems to have so been far? here a long time now. Badly. I think It started well, um, didn't it? It started well, and then he had a couple of calamitous... Um, yeah. goals conceded and then yeah it's he but... went to Doncaster Rovers didn't he mm-hmm. and yeah. and it started initially okay but then he started having a few errors and, and he got replaced in the team yeah. and, and Watford moved him on to Gillingham I think didn't he is yeah. it Gillingham yeah Gillingham he's played three, three games oh what is he 23 24 23 23 if you I don't know I think he should be starting if if he's good enough for the championship in quoted commas, then he should be good enough to to be a number one at you know at Gillingham. Maybe he's not going to make it with Watford. Yeah, I think we uh, some. It does seem that goalkeepers is a is a positional group. We're quite happy to take a few gambles on. We like to have them around um, kind of in the building and, and have a look at them that way. We take a few risks on some younger guys to come in and see how they develop. But I don't think we really tie ourselves too much to any of them. I think we're always quite willing to to kind of part ways with any of those guys. Actually, at this point. Okay, so uh, should we pick a goalkeeper that we think uh, we can also pick a um, a new signing if we would like to go for for that option? Then shall we sort of have a, a combined um, decision at the end of it? Yes, I'm going to keep it. Yes, yeah, so I, I, personally, I think it'll be a Koi or a Koye, however you say it, would be my number one. Having never watched him apart from a compilations uh, highlights of his highlights on uh, Twitter. Okay. Jordan? Um, yeah, I think out of that group, I'd say Okoye, but I also, I, it's not, I mean, when it comes to the signings um, portion of it, I think I, there aren't too many that I want to necessarily name specifically because I think there's so many facts at play. I don't want to do a disservice to any mm. of those players coming in or, or not. And also, kind of keeping it more realistic, I think it, I would probably more want to go down the lines of kind of talking about the type of player to come in. Um, but for me, I think, I think given the, the situation and how we want to, how he wants to really kind of bounce back and, and, and mount a charge, kind of mount a challenge quite early on. Um, I, I would actually kind of go for a more experienced goalkeeper and try and pick someone up. 
Uh, I, I don't know that I haven't watched much as much of a Koi to to be able to say for sure. Maybe maybe I'm underestimating him as a player. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but from what I do know, I, I think I would actually kind of feel more comfortable with us going for someone a little bit more established, not necessarily at championship level, but just a goalkeeper we kind of know a little bit more about um, and and see how we can go from there. But for me, I think I would, I would go in that direction. Okay, um, I might be uh, upsetting the apple cart here, but I would keep Batman. Um... In, in the sticks because I think that he did a decent job in the championship and that there's no reason why he couldn't do another one for us next season. But I don't think that's going to be a very popular decision. So, <laughs> but, but, so the Apple Cart's pretty but, disappointed right now. Yeah, I know. But so that. between us, we've got three different answers for goalkeeper. Yeah, right? interesting. That's okay. I, I think, think, I think right. that says a lot, doesn't it, really? But yeah. let's move on because we've got 10 more positions to fill. Um, let's go to right back then. I think it's going to be a pretty open and shut case for me. Unless one of them wants to leave, carry on as you are, lads. It's I think the, the, difficulty on this, the difficult, difficulty on this one for me is, again, if we are talking about style of play, um, I, I think full-backs are going to be key to that. And we saw how important they were last season that came to supporting Saar, but also just how much uh, how much threat that Firmenia offered in forward areas. If we are playing against teams that, that are sitting back, allowing space, asking for us to break them down. I think your, your full-backs and your central midfielders become almost the team, two most important areas of this team uh, for us to rebuild. And I think the, the, the problem I have with the two that we currently have is Ngakia is a very different player to Femenia. They, they they play in different ways, they defend in different ways, and they attack in different ways. And with Femenia's injury history, the fact that we have so many games, a short period of time, it was quite. We missed him a few times in, in the championship, and it was always costly. Uh, and, and not having him available is, is is not good for that 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 play, that the sort of style we want to kind of bring into this squad. I think we have to kind of look at an alternative too. And I, I wouldn't surprise if we do try and find someone to back up for Menu that is a little bit closer to his skill set. Uh, we have Kamara on the left-hand side. Obviously, we'll get to that soon. But I think those two positions will be really key for us. And I think making sure we have adequate cover there rather than just someone to plug in and defend, which no kind of no disrespect to Ngakia, I just don't see him as the same offensive threat as, as Firmenia. And I think we need to have that. Yeah, it's a good argument, Jordan. I, for, for me, Firmenia uh, retains his position if he wants it. Um, that's, I mean, I think that's a big if for me. I don't know if he would want to drop down again. I think he will. Think I, he I think Firmenia stays. Yeah, there's also rumours he signed a new contract too. I, I think he'll. I think he'll stay. I think he'll be there if we want him. I think it's more of a case of can you can you rely on him to be fit um, for those games that we kind of have in short succession. Okay. Well, I mean, if he, if he's if he's up for it, I'd have him all day long uh, uh, in that position. So, um, it's a much easier question to answer for me compared to the goalkeeper one. Um, but you're right. I don't think Ngeki is the right backup for that particular. Uh, strength that, that Firmenia has so it changes the game completely if Firmenia is out and he has been out a few times this season um, and I feel as though he'll probably be out a few times next season as well just based on the type of injury that he's been he's been picking up um, I mean you're probably in a better place to answer this one Jordan but do you think that he'll probably get a few more niggles next year as well? Yeah I mean soft tissue injuries for a player like Firmenia you know he's he's had hamstring injuries before how she's never going to repair as as flexible as kind of adaptable to the those sorts of games as as, as much as you'd like he's he's going to have more injuries yeah, simply he is I, I don't think you're ever going to see him fully fully fit for for an entire season it's just past that point of his career right now um especially kind of the, the type of player he is he's he's an agile player he's fast but um those those areas those hamstrings and calf injuries he's had always susceptible to re-injury 
uh, especially in the way he plays. So I think we're likely to see that. And I think you have to kind of protect him and uh, find ways to use him in, in, in specific situations that kind of help um, negate that that injury risk. And I think if you're going to do that, then having an adequate backup is, is something you have to really consider. Yeah. Tom? So, yes, I'd absolutely be happy with Femenir as my number one. I think all those guys can be a, a year old or 18 months older by this point. He showed what he could do in the championship last time. He, you know, he's probably one of our better players, really, on the way to promotion. I think Ngakia, although Jordan raises a very valid point, I like the fact that he's different. And I, I still think there's a player there, you know, in terms of being quite um, quite a good one-on-one defender, you know, sticks quite diligently to his task. But he... he you do raise a good point, Jordan, that Femenia reasonably assume he's going to miss games every season and it is a complete and utter shift um, in, in play, in style of player, if, if Femenia is not there. So, yeah, maybe we do need to, maybe we do need to, to look at that. It's probably one of those things where there's like, you know, is it, is it a glaring hole yeah. or is it yeah. something where it's like, it would be nice to deal with it if we have the resources and it's probably... In an ideal too, world, it? in an ideal world, we'd obviously, we'd obviously kind of have that in mind but it, the club might look at this and say you know where are we going to allocate our funds are we just going to take this gamble we've seen the club, the club take the gamble in this sort of situation before we've seen the take the club take the gamble at left back we saw it they saw them do it in the uh, in the last championship season where we missed we had Adam Messina out injured and he was our only left back available and we saw Kiko play left back for a while we saw Ngakia and Kiko on the, on the same pitch uh, numerous times and you know, that comes down to the situation that the club have to make a decision. Can we ride a little bit light in this area uh, and kind of keep our fingers crossed and hopefully we can get through it? Or do you decide to allocate those funds? And I think it really depends on how much weight they put into this position being important and what's available. But it would not surprise me if we do still go into the season with Femenia and Ngakia as the two. Okay, cool. Let's move on to uh, left back then. And it's uh, quite a similar debate between Kamara and, and Massena because... It's almost like the the Femenia and, and Gakia, but off, off the left hand side. I think so. My only question was going to be, what do we think with Danny Rose? I, I assume, and someone said this to me on Twitter, and I hadn't considered it before that point. Does the fact that we're so publicly excluding him mean that he's got a break clause or something, you know, um, uh, an extension if he hits a certain number of appearances and he's very close to it, and they don't want to be committed to him for next season? Not that yeah, he should figure in the consideration. Sorry. Because he's got a two-year contract and, and he would still be contracted to us next season. Is that what you're saying? Or it's one plus one and he's oh, you know, okay. a couple right, of right, appearances right. away from triggering the additional year. Okay. Yeah, I doubt there's a, I don't think there's a single chance he plays for us again, yeah. to be honest. But yeah, worth obviously mentioning because he is technically our player. Um, but yeah, no, I think it does it does fall into a similar category as, as for Menu and the Gak. I think the difference with this one is you trust Kamara's... Um, fitness a little bit more obviously anything can happen um with kind of players fitness and injuries but uh, i think the club generally seem to be quite fond of Massena. um they, they've not tried to move on from him so i think you, you're likely to see that that two-man combination there of uh of Massena and kamara unless you see us kind of go back into the market we have looked at left backs before previously maybe if they see someone that comes up of value um available they might kind of bring them in and, and see what we can do you might even see that being an option for um, just for covering the fullback situation, it's not it's not rare to see a, a club bring in a fifth fullback, someone that can maybe play both sides to, to help compensate for that risk of Kiko and, and again then Kamara on the other side too. So it'd be interesting to see, but it, it's one that wouldn't surprise me if we did see it as, as a two man two man combination there in, in in Massner and Kamara. It's nice that we've got that option there before Kamara. I mean, it was looking quite 
um, you know, sad on that left hand side, wasn't it? Yeah, bleak yeah. is a better word. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we have to create balance. I think you know, as we said, those those positions are so important in in terms of creating an attack and outfit, especially. Uh, especially with with some of the attacking threat we do have at the club, you want to have those fullbacks that are able to play large portions of the game in the opposition half, um, control possession, have a lot of the ball, and, and be incisive. And you see how Kamara got his goal against City. He makes a nice underlapping run. He can drive towards goal and puts himself into position to shoot, cross whatever you need. He's someone that can contribute in, in attack, and we're going to need that. So um, I think we have got some good options at least. Okay, moving into centre back then, uh, probably one of the hardest positions for us to look at, I'd, I'd say, Tom. Yeah, centre-back, I really thought almost anything could happen here. I think um, the one thing that we can say with a fair amount of conviction is that, well, I think so anyway, is that Samir will be here next season and certainly he'd be the the one I'd kind of hang my hat on. Um, But the rest of them, you know, there's Cathcart Cabasele, Sierra Alta, who's just disappeared off the face of the earth. Truce de Kong, something similar, though he was on the bench against City, I think, or the previous game, possibly. And then Matty Follett, who's been out on loan at Cheltenham and will come back. He's been named their young player of the season. Um, I think it's an area that we've, we've all, at one point or another, lamented the lack of investment in. But I kind of feel like, and it's a bit short-term thinking, but it does also kind of refer to my earlier point of you know necessities and desirables. I think we can probably get away with running with most of those players in the championship again, probably. Yeah, I think unless unless some opportunity came up that was too good to pass, and I think we're most likely going to take that gamble. I think they're going to look at Serie and say, you know, whilst he, he didn't contribute this season, we saw how effective he was in the championship. And you can, when you, when you have quality around you, if you're going to be a little bit more dominant in possession, you can get away with having that. At least one of those centre-backs is just going to tackle everything that moves, be aggressive, um, be dominant in the air. And Sibiata's capable of doing that. You kind of pair him with the likes of, of Samir. You have the options in Cathcart, Cavaselli, who can play when called upon. And then, of course, you, you know you have Pollock too. He kind of falls a little bit more into that Sibiata mould. But um, being that younger option, he's going to be av- available in the squad and could potentially be filling a spot on the bench. And uh, yeah, Shusha Kong will stay too. And, and you look at that group, that collective, that collective of centre-backs, maybe not um, exactly what we want should we go up again? Uh, but for a season in the championship, I think the club will probably look at that that group and say, yeah, we can we can go with that and um, and see how we fare. What formation are we want... doing here, guys? Are we going for a, a flat back four or are we going for uh, three at the back? Let's just say four, just just based on the, yeah. the probability of seeing a back four of it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I was just going to touch on Truce de Kong there. I wonder if he leaves, gets, and I put, people in red to sell or that will potentially be sold part of that is potentially maneuvered back to Udinese I just wonder if he is at a point where he's kind of mentally done here and he's damaged goods in the view of fans to the point that he would be managed out if we're happy that Samir Cathcart Cabaselli and Sierra Alta all stick around yeah, I mean, for me, I I think the club has to go with if if they're deciding that Pollock is good enough to be involved in the squad, then they can get away with it because they have to have at least five. I think you look at the injury record um, that we have within that that group of centre backs, and we've carried six, seven centre backs and been short before. Um, so sure. you have a look at Cabasetti, Cathcart, even Trusta Kong himself. These are players that often, again, soft tissue injuries miss uh, two, three games at a time quite regularly. Uh, you're always kind of looking at which one's out of the out of the team this this week based on injury. So, 
I think you have to kind of hedge your bets there a little bit and make sure you've got the numbers first of all. Uh, but Truce to Kong is a possible one for sure. I think if you look at any of those leaving, I think Truce to Kong is the most likely. I know there were some some links to the MLS I, I saw recently as well. Uh, and you you might not be wrong. It, it's interesting because I think he's again he's kind of in the same the same mold as Serialta in the sense that he is he is capable of playing at the Championship but wasn't able to to kind of be involved consistently in the Premier League. But maybe on Serialta the difference might be they feel that he's a little bit younger, uh, maybe a little bit more room to develop and. And perhaps in a, in a more team friendly deal as well. I feel as I can hear some some uh, listeners screaming out to us, saying um, Kafka, Cabaselli, and Chustekong all have to go if we want to see some kind of change to this team next season. Yeah, but you can't you can't always just do it in one in one go. You know, if you want to restructure the midfield, we could have to change around to some attacking areas too. Yeah, it'd be nice if you could bring in the centre back, but we have we're trying to make a, a realistic assessment. Yes, and I did well we'd do that. We'd we'd make those changes, we'd bring in uh, bring in some kind of uh, some perhaps some younger players, you know, a little bit more promising. Um or just actually invest in the centre back position, which we haven't really done in recent years. But the club have shown have a history of showing that they, they find value at centre back above all else and They've done well in some occasions and not so well in others, but I, I don't see them changing from that standpoint at this at, at this stage. I, I think the players we have available are just good enough um, to stop them from doing so. If we had to invest, if we were short a centre-back, we had someone retiring, definites leaving, maybe they can't be forced into that route. But I think as things stand, um, I think it'd be going a little bit too far out of their comfort zone to go and put down a, a larger fee on a, on a centre-back. Just to say, by the way, Nkulu is out of contract at the end of the season. I assume we don't see a way he sticks around. Yeah, probably nice. not. But um, yeah, may, I don't know. It's it's, it's tough. I, I would have thought not, but who knows? Maybe, maybe that's an option we do try and investigate and look into a little bit more and, and see, though. Who's our two, then, we're going for in, um, in this, in this uh, so, fictional uh, 11 that we're picking here? I mean, I, I think it's probably... Samir Sam- and Sirialta. Yeah, I, I do think Samir and Sirialta is probably the... The most likely. It's hard to kind of drop Samir. He's done. He's done decent. He's done pretty well since he's come in. Left foot on the left hand side is important. And, and Sirialta, he did prove himself in the championship last season. And for much of that that period, we we're discussing, you know, Sirialta plus one for the centre back position. So, so long as he can, as long as he can impress the the new manager coming in, there's every possibility that he that he is involved. Um, but if not, you've still got the the Cathcart and Kepesel to call upon. But I'd say Samir Sirialta. And you've gone for Samir and Sirata as well, Tom? Please, yeah. All right. Well, I'll mix it up and go for uh, Samir and Pollock. But um, I've been outvoted. Um, should we move into midfield? <laughs> Let's do it. You've listed the defensive mid and the central mid as, as two different positions here. So uh, yeah, explain us yeah. some of that, Tom. Explain yourself. Uh, sure. <laughs> so defensive midfield... As in, not necessarily they are defensive midfielders, but they kind of ostensibly play as the deeper midfielders, I guess. I put Luza and Kayembe, um, and I put Nkulu, uh, not Nkulu, Peter Etebo on the release slash end loan list. I, are we going to see him before the season's out? Have we got the money to make it permanent? The wages, would they fit? I just, I presume he's an unfortunate victim of circumstance that he's probably done. Um, and assuming they both stick around, quite happy with those two. I would have thought loser could have a really, you know, big impact on the championship. And KMB is probably neat and tidy enough to be, 
the backup to him, albeit as, as we famously know from Roy Hodgson's quotes, they are different players. <laughs> yeah, I'd be very happy with Loser sticking around. Uh, that's sort of one that I'm really hopeful does stay. Actually, um, I, I still have a question over his head whether whether he would whether he would drop down with us. But um, yeah, I think he's he's got to be the the starter, isn't he, in that position? Yeah, I think I, I think he's he's shown um, he's shown a lot of quality in the, in the time we've we've had him, and again, kind of moving forward into a into a, a different. We have to readjust our our way of playing, our way of of using the ball, um, creating opportunities, and I think Loser is is key to that. I think he's someone that can play from deeper. He can he can press well. He can be defensively. He can be quite useful. But uh, he, he's someone that will that will look forward a little bit quicker. He can link the play from deeper. He can get attacks started. He can bring fullbacks, wingers, strikers into play, uh, and just kind of set the tempo through midfield. And I think we kind of saw that um, we saw that we can be very stagnant without that sort of player. And I think he will be very important to to a lot of what what goes on in that midfield in, in a positive manner. I think he's going to be key. Nice. That seems like an easy one. Then um, just one place is there for for the defensive mid in this um, lineup. Yeah, I think I think we kind of. I mean. It's going to be. I think if you kind of talk about the midfield, you're looking at something that's going to be a little bit deeper, and and having a couple of two supplementary around it, it's, it's difficult to say how we're going to line up. Obviously, at this point, we might have, we might play over number ten, we might not. Um, we, there's so many variations, so many variety of, of ways to approach that midfield. I think we just kind of look at a three, which offers some balance, kind of offers some uh, some different skill sets, different attributes. Then try and find that kind of most likely or, or something that would at least suit a variety of approaches. I think would be worthwhile. All right, nice. Um, central midfield then. Are you team loser as well, Matt? Oh yeah, definitely 11? team loser. Yeah, yeah. good lads. Uh, right, central midfield is a little bit confused, or not confusing, potentially difficult as well. Quite a lot to unpack here, I think. And we talked about this a little bit offline beforehand. Um, reasonably assume that whether we like it or not, Tom Cleverley is probably still going to be here next season. Did we hear something about that recently? Was, was there something put out? Duxbury was saying, wasn't he, that he was one of the players that he wanted to retain, certainly to kind of universal dismay. From um, a leadership point of view, I can I can completely get that thinking. Yes, to be if he's happy, kind of just being around the group, coming in in a you know emergency or to close out games with his energy and and so on. I think there's a role for him, but you don't want to see him much much more than that. I don't think. Um, no. I'll run through the other names very quickly. Gosling, I think there's a big question mark over him. Tom Deli Bashiru comes back, I think there's probably a question mark over him. Uh, Yura Kutska, I think we've signed him. I don't know if you guys have any contrary views, but the club official website statement at the time said he was signed. There was no mention of a loan, which makes me wonder if he is actually signing, not the loan that's reported as. And then we also only today I updated my spreadsheet because we gather we learned that Musa Sissoko has some sort of exit clause. Um, in an ideal world, I guess I'd like to keep him, but I suspect if that exists, he will want to exercise it because someone will pick him up in the Premier League quite readily. Yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting one. What what are we what are we going with here? I mean I think this is definitely a position group where I, I think a signing is is needed. Um, yes. I think that's definitely yeah, that. I'd, I'd for me. I think that. we have to find someone that is able to be a little bit more dynamic on the ball, uh, someone that can help us in, in forward areas a little bit more from a more advanced position. Possibly someone that's maybe box to box doesn't necessarily have to be a ten, but someone that can can be 
a little bit more well-rounded, perhaps. Uh, I think Tom Dillibashu is an interesting one. He started off really well at Reading. Tough to gauge um, his time at Reading just because the team he was playing and was quite bad. But there was a lot of promise there, and I thought he was he was really good um, in, in the in this few appearances he had for us. I thought he was very good, and I, I do like a lot of what he has to offer. I think he's a he's a really competent box to box midfielder, someone that can play uh, on, on the ball, off the ball. Um, he can he can contribute in, in attack, but he's also defensively quite solid too. He's a rangy player. He can get around around the pitch, and he offers you a lot. Um, but whether he'll be a starter or someone that can kind of supplement that field, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. What what are you guys thinking here? I think he can. I think he I think he should be a starter. Um, I know that's uh, maybe a big call, but um, I I think Gosling's probably not going to be involved. That's my feeling. Um, Sissoko, I think, like you know, is going to be off. Um, cleverly will play a bit part role, so that leaves space there for you know, someone like Dele Bashiru to come in. I think this could be his moment. So I asked a colleague of mine at work about Tom Dele Bashiru, who is a Reading uh, fan. How has he done, etc., etc. He's been very glowing about him all season. Um, I think he probably is the one, maybe out of the guys that are out on loan, that possibly does actually come back and earn a place in the squad. Certainly, you know, did last time before that injury, ironically, against Reading. I think Gosling will just be here because he is... Um, is there a more depressing thing to say about a footballer? Cleverly will probably get extended. Kutska, if he's on loan, probably leaves. If he is permanently signed, probably stays. Um, the other one I haven't mentioned, because I put him as a central attacking midfielder originally, but in a 4-3-3, I guess, would be a central midfielder, is Domingos Kina, who has obviously had a pretty tumultuous year away on loan. Do we see him coming back? Personally, I've marked him as someone we probably move on from one way or another. Well, he had a decent spell at Barnsley, didn't he? I mean, I know they've gone he down, did. but he, he he showed a bit of what we know he's got in the locker. I, I think, yeah, and I, honestly, I think this will be one they'll leave to whoever comes in as manager. I think he, mm. he signed a new deal before we loaned him to Fulham. I think he signed, yeah. like, maybe it was a new four or five year deal before he loaned him. And um, I, I think it would be dependent on what what the, the the new manager, whoever that may be, comes in and decides on, on Queen. The, the, the thing with him that he offers us is ability in the field, but also he can play from wide areas too. And, he has some faults to his game, of course, but I don't think he's he's someone to necessarily overlook as, as a squad member. I think it could be useful. So it just really kind of depends on what the, what the club feel there. But um, maybe not a starter, uh, but definitely someone that could, could be involved in some capacity, I'd imagine. I was surprised how many appearances he made for Watford in the Championship. Because when you think about him, you, you kind of forget that he was involved in that. But he... He made uh, fourteen appearances in the in the championship for Watford, which you know that's that's basically a quarter of the games, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, he he did. He he, he did play um, a, a fair amount. I think even under under Ivic, he was definitely probably most trusted. Um, but I think he can. I think he can still have a future at Watford in some way. Whether or not that's from a starting position next season, I think is definitely a harder question to answer. Here's a suggestion for you. I was looking at players that were out of contract. Um, this summer as a potential central midfield option is he good enough is he realistic uh etc etc john swift who will be a free agent at reading this summer 26 years old 13 goals and 11 assists or the other way around this season yeah conceivably someone that a bottom end premier league club might pick up i don't know but i I just wonder i'm not i can't sit here and pretend i've seen him play or anything like that but just as he's not going to cost anything, is it? Yeah, a, no, I think I think that'd be a. I think that'd option. be a. Yeah, why not? I think if you 
and the, the value is obviously there as long as you're willing to to compete in, in a, from a salary sign-on bonus perspective then I think he's definitely one to consider if you are if you're going to be playing in a manner to actually utilize him then then why not he should be he should be at least be looked at uh, as a potential option uh, should we decide to play in that way and I think he's he's a good player that could again he could contribute an attack and he could reshape a midfield which has been rather industrious and laborious to watch he could add a little bit of flair and uh, attacking threat and, and be a good part of that midfield, I'd say. Should Kutschka be involved if um, if he has been signed? They can be involved. The thing is, when I look at that group of players that we've got listed down here, you look at uh, Kutschka, Cleverly, Gosling, um, Quina, uh, Tom Delibashiru, I don't look at them as and, and have a ton of confidence in saying, yeah, that's a starter for me in that team. Tom Delibashiru, if I had to name one, I'd say. Uh, but this is, again, for me personally, this is a positional group where I think a new signing is is required. And if Sissoko does decide to drop down to the championship, would you have him as a starter straight away? Or if Sissoko was to drop down, I think he would serve a role in this in that kind of third man in the midfield, playing that box to box supporting role, someone that can just kind of drive forward from midfield, work defensively well, and just kind of help and, and supplement loser. I think yeah, I think he would he would be useful in there. Um, but if he's not, then then I think you're either looking at Deli Bashiru or. Or signing someone else. I don't like the rotation of cleverly Kutschka and Gosling as a as no. a as a yeah. I'm not I'm not keen on that trio. How about Zinkenagel in the central midfield role? He played a lot of that role wow. in the championship last time for Watford. Yeah, it's it's potential. I think honestly, he's going to be one that's kind of on the more attacking end. Um, and if you're looking at that, then obviously we've kind of just mentioned Queener there, uh, and also the potential kind of return and uh, integration of Espria. Uh, coming in the midfield as well is, is another one to look at. Uh, I think also too, there's there's an outside shout to consider uh, Yao Pedro as someone that could be playing in that position too. If we are be playing with a kind of more defined attacking midfielder, um, then then these sorts of players can start to be included in the conversation as well. Because I think Zinkenegel is able to contribute there, uh, and obviously, of course, he can he can play from the wide areas too. Should we actually have him back at the club? So I, I think these are kind of versatile players that can play in numerous positions. But um, I wouldn't look at Zinkenegel as being someone that I'd imagine to be the starter in that position at least going into the season. Okay, let's move on to the the wings then, um, and these are often quite interchangeable, aren't they? Because I don't know what it is about wingers, but they seem to. You have to play on the left or the right. It doesn't really bother them too much. It's not. It's not quite the same at uh, you know the left backs and right backs role, is it? But um, on on the wings, I don't know. Am I am I wrong here, Jordan? Or is it, does it just seem to be a bit more flexible? No, no. I mean, it's it's defensively favourable to play on the side of your dominant foot from a, from a defensive standpoint, and even from an attacking standpoint, most of the time you're you're contributing from a wider area. It just it just makes sense to be on your left hand side, have your left foot just to kind of get that accurate delivery forward or into the box. But from an attacking perspective, I mean, it really just depends on, on, on the way your team is set up. Obviously, we've seen a lot of the kind of common trend in recent years has been that left-footed attacker from the right-hand side. Um, it's kind of the, the trend that every every top team is trying to find someone that can do that. Um, and, it, you know, it's effective. I think we've, we've definitely been very, uh, even with the attacking talent we do have, we've been quite focused on players playing from the right, with their right foot, you look at Sarov and he's, he's not really playing much from the left, which has actually been a little bit of a surprise. I'm not quite sure we haven't seen more of that at times. But uh, as you say, they are relatively interchangeable. And I think you kind of look at the list of players we'll go through here. You could really see any of them apart from a couple. You know, someone like Ken Semmer's not so he's more suited to the left hand side. But others in there are definitely capable of playing on both. And I think that that will be useful for us. So are we just imagining that Saar and Dennis are leaving at the end of the season? And, and you know, not I, I would imagine him? so. Yeah. I've very much got Otherwise, them. Otherwise, they're both good starters. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. It could be a big season for Cucho. I, I think you know he's going to be one of the most important players at the club next season. Yeah, no, I think he could be. I, I think too, it's we shouldn't discount the possibility of him being uh, involved centrally at some point as well. He's he's a versatile forward that can that can definitely help us, and I, I do like him, especially if we did end up playing with the front two at any point. He's someone that could that could play there as well. Uh, but he's he's a versatile a versatile forward, and I think he really will be a, a big contributor. Whether it be in goals or not, I, I think he will be um, quite quite important uh, for that attacking kind of unit over the next uh, over the next season for sure. How about Ken Semmer? He uh, had a, had a very decent championship uh, spell with Watford, but uh, not seen so much in the Premier League. He's another one that's just going to be here, I think, isn't he? And if he doesn't get a better offer or opportunity this summer, he'll probably still be here, and he's probably perfectly serviceable. But you don't want to have to rely on him. I think the thing is a bit like the midfielders. Actually, there's another layer to the the wide players. We've got we've got the guys who we fully expect to leave, right? In Saar and Dennis. And if they stay, they'll be brilliant. But you know, realistically you don't expect that. Then you've got a few people who are just sort of around and are, are serviceable. Um or we assume are serviceable. Samuel Kalou being one of them, don't really know a lot about him. Kucho, uh Sema. And then there's another tier I would say the 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 youngsters Hungbo to come back, Dapo Mabudi, Mabudi, however you say it, to come back, and Quadro Bar, who's had a pretty unfortunate season with injury. I mean, I don't see all of them being involved, but I wonder if Bar is someone that you know could be there or thereabouts within the squad potentially, if if we need to kind of make up numbers in those areas, and and maybe Hungbo as well, who's done by all accounts very well at Ross County, albeit at a, a, a dramatically different level of football. Uh, okay, uh, let's go with Bar to begin with. I think. The difficulty of Barr is he had a season out of playing. Um, I think he needed to play. <clears throat> he has some he has some rawness to his game, uh, and he, he, I don't think he's quite ready for the championship just yet. I think he needs to be playing uh, League One, League Two, just to kind of get some get some minutes and kind of develop as as the attack and player that he is. He has a lot of raw traits which are very promising. Obviously, he was he was relatively sought after, and we saw something in him that we liked. But I don't think he was ever really brought in with the expectation of him being a, a starter or someone that's really contributing many minutes to the team um, at this point in his career. So I think getting him out playing somewhere um, is more likely. In in which case, him going out and and Hungbo staying around as a kind of deeper squad option, I think, is a little bit more likely. Uh, but it really just depends on how these kind of moves come around, and if if there's a preseason that takes place and he's a a central part to that, and he's he's liked by the new manager, there's also a, equally the chance that he does stay around. So it's kind of hard to call. But um, for me, I'd say he's probably best suited to to going out on a loan. What about very quickly, Kalu? We've not seen him apart from that little fun little cameo against Arsenal. Mm. I don't really know enough. Of, I just don't, I don't really have enough of a read on Kalu to to say his. His role within the team, but again, you kind of look at the players outgoing, and with the likes of Kalou being there, it does again. It indicates to me that we need at least one, um, one player coming in in this. In this, obviously, we're talking about right or left wing at this point, but someone to come in and offer some some support here because really the players I'm looking at, which I think you'd feel more comfortable on. Really, for me, it's it's Zinkenagel, who if he is able to come back and he if he wants to come back, if we want to kind of keep him around, I think he's a useful option. But none of these guys around that you can feel one hundred percent certain on. Semmer mm. had some ups and downs. Chucho Hernandez, I guess, maybe is the one you'd say, yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's someone he's, that could be a starter. He's a dead cert, isn't he? Yeah, um, it's basically but, it's basically him plus one other. 
Yeah, but again, I just want to feel uh, I think the wing will be important to us and I think we have to have a little bit more quality in there. I think it, it needs to be something that we have a little more of an established front three or, or at least the wide areas need to be a little bit more established. And I'm not saying sign necessarily an established player, but some of these players that we have here are players that have been at the club and not taken much of an opportunity they've had. So do you feel confident going into a, a season where you're looking for promotion with that that group? I'm I'm not entirely sure. Okay, so at this point, so, what 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 are we saying then? Are we saying? Sounds like I think we all new, agree. Left wing Chucho. Yeah. Um, yeah. New winger plus then, Chucho. Yeah, winger? I think right right is a new winger. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably yeah, I think that's probably the most like or the route we'd like to go down. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, finally, the uh, the the striker then, the forward number nine. <sighs> yeah, this is weird, isn't it? Pedro. King, Fletcher, Pinaranda, Pusetto. After the reason we assume the last two will continue their tour of Europe on loan, or Pinaranda will continue his tour of Europe on loan, Pusetto will go back to Udinese. Most likely, yeah. Fletcher gets sold to New York or someone else. Yeah. I mean, tell me if you think there's a case for him actually playing now in the Championship, but no, I don't. Um, I don't. So then you're left with King and Pedro, and I put a question mark next to Pedro because I wonder if he gets a more attractive offer from elsewhere. I think we'll retain Pedro should we want to. I think we will. Um, I guess the other option you could say, you can, you can maybe include Chucho Hernandez in that conversation um, as a central player. But of course, it then does kind of refocus on the wing and how much reinforcement that might need. Um, also, Aspria could play in a more advanced role. Uh, obviously, he's a young player. He's not someone you necessarily wanting to put that much responsibility into in his first season. Obviously, we did a little bit with Jao Pedro. Uh, in, in the last last spell we had in the championship, but um, obviously it'd be a very front young front line to have if they were our kind of two main main options. Uh, Josh King, I think, obviously could be a key player in that situation, but the, the question is, will he stay um, signing a new co- signing a contract with us when we got promoted? You do question whether he has any sort of break clause in there, which would allow him to move on. Um, it, it's it's a tough one, but if we had King Pedro as the front two, and you're also able to supplement with the likes of um, Aspria or Chicho Hernandez, uh, these sorts of players, I think you could actually feel relatively confident here. You, you know, you could, nothing to say that you couldn't add any additions, but um, I think it could be a, a serviceable forward line uh, in, in the kind of team that, that's being built. I think Joshua King at championship level sounds like a very dangerous striker. Yeah, if he's available, I think he could be useful. It just depends if he's, um, if he's committed to that. And, I mean, it depends. We we didn't go down the route of it. it, it I think we still have to be looking at uh, the possibility of spreading goals across the team because we're not looking at these players as being, you know, they're, they're not an Alexander Mitrovic. We're not looking at that sort of player. We're looking at um, a little bit more fluid forward players that can operate in those wide areas. If we have wide players that can contribute from, the, from a goal scoring perspective um, and also have strikers that can contribute from, you know, an assist giving perspective, then that's fine. And I think we do have. Uh, some good footballers in there. And I think there's also the, the, the possibility that we do see Jao Pedro taking another step forward, um, as well as kind of some promising out kind of production from the likes of uh, Aspria coming through. I do think it's a, it looks a little bit more bleak than it potentially is um, in that forward area, as long as we get the wings right, in my opinion. Who okay. would be your starter, starting striker, ideal world, Jordan, day one of next season then? Jao Pedro for me. But I also would not be against seeing Pedro play a little bit deeper with King in front of him as well. Uh, but if just based on kind of the, the, the team that we've put here, I, I, I'd say Joe Pedro. Yeah, nice. Probably go for Pedro as well. All right. So what I've got is, I mean, to be honest, there's fairly consensus throughout this. In fact, the only change I can see is Matt said, 
in the goalkeeper's stakes, but I think that speaks to the general lack of clarity. And then Matt suggesting he'd have Pollock and Samir. But otherwise, we've got a goalkeeper, Femenia, Samir and Siralta, Kamara, Loser. I don't know why I say Kamara in such a weird way. Uh, a new centre mid and Tom Deli Bashiru, or a new centre mid and Moussa Sissoko if he stays. A right winger if Saar goes. Kucho on the left and Pedro up front. Yeah, that's pretty reasonable. And the, the thing is, of course, there's so many factors that can that can change, and you kind of add one player here, and that can kind of have a ripple effect and and change the way you construct things elsewhere. But I think at this point, you kind of looking at who's likely to be moving on. Um, we we are at least in the situation where we are able to say there are some ones that you kind of almost say for certain in, in the likes of Dennis and Saar. But uh, as long as the club do look to reinvest and, and reshape things, there is opportunity to to fill some of those holes with. Um, the kind of the sales of these two players plus parachute payments, there is some flexibility there, and I think it's a good time uh, to reshape this team because there is some promising young talent as well as a, a decent blend of experience and also the opportunity to get out of some of these contracts. And you know, some of these guys we look at, the likes of Ben Foster, um, these kind of more senior players that are coming towards the end of the career, we're not tied to them for too much longer. So if you're looking at rebuilding a team, I think this summer is is a key key time to do so and a convenient time to do so. Uh, so hopefully. Um, we're coming into this season in actually kind of somewhat better shape than the season before uh, where we had to kind of break out of some of these deals in a little bit more of a messy fashion which didn't give us much time to turn around in the window so I think there's promise to be had there but I think the players we've kind of identified there as needing to come in or positions uh, that need strengthening I think is definitely um, definitely pretty clear too. Nice. Okay then Um, we've got our starting 11. Um, Apologies if it's not as... uh crazy as you, as you as you may have wanted it to be uh we've been realistic here and um you know a lot of the players are the same you know the same players that you you're used to seeing week in week out but um you know we've 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 tried to i think we've tried to be fair haven't we hmm. i think the thing is we saw it last time we went down to the championship you know they've obviously taken measures by the sounds of it the, the sissoko thing having uh uh, relegation kind of wage reduction clauses written into the contracts and so on. But it's still, you know, it's a different financial reality going into the championship and we aren't going to be in a position to kind of spend money, money, money. You know, we saw last time we went down. Who did we sign last time we went down? I'm, re- I'm, tr- I'm desperately trying to wrap my brains. It was, and Gakia came in on a free, didn't he? Um, Truce de Kong. Yeah. Zinkenegel. Um, yeah, it's in Canagle in the January. But you know what I mean? These were all kind of free transfers or loans or whatever. We didn't... Ashraf Lazar came in late in the season on a free, didn't he? You know, we're not in a position to go and... I'd, oh, I'd be very surprised if we're again in a position to go and spend money. So it will be a case of... I think... I think and this, is, and this is why the mo- model works. That Sorry, John. Just finish. This is why the model works. So they can kind of borrow players from here and there and move them around. You know, we've got this loanee. Maybe he comes back. And I've been quite cynical about... The loanies, you know, I think some will be sold, but if they can be of use, we'll keep them. But you, I think you're probably about to say a fair point, which is that we are in a better position maybe this time with crowds and whatnot and, and not COVID than last time. Yeah, and I think what I was trying to trying to get out just a, a moment ago too is that, you know, we're not we're not in a situation of thinking, okay, we've got Etienne Capil on the hands. He doesn't want to be here. We've got to try and find a way out. You don't get rid of him until right at the end of the window. Then you've got not much time to turn around. Mm. You, know, you end up getting Carlos Sanchez in. Like it was much more. It, it felt. It felt much more like kind of hurried and and messy. I think now, you know, we know pretty much every idea of our situation. We should be pretty far into the planning of this these next few months. 
Um, as I said, we're breaking away from quite a few players if we want to quite cleanly. We're not as hampered with getting rid of, of, of players we have in the books as, as much as we were last time. Look how grossly swollen our forward group was when we went down last time. You had Troy Deeney, Andre Gray, all these players on big wages that we weren't able to get rid of. You know, we're not quite mm. in that situation right now. If you kind of look at the team now, you might say, yeah, Josh King's probably on higher wage. Well, we're not tied to him in the sense we can move on from King should we need to in a cleaner fashion. So I think we are in a better situation too. Um, invest in the market a little bit more and try and be a little bit smarter. So I, I think we don't have to be quite as improvised in terms of our squad building, which I'm hoping gives us an opportunity to just kind of set the tone a little bit earlier in terms of the window and, and make some of these signings quite smooth, uh, quite quickly and allow them to integrate into the team. So we actually have more of a kind of established pre-season and build up to this obviously very important season coming up. Mm. All right, great. So that's our um, our squad, uh, our 11. Um, we did have some questions come in, but we've uh, overrun, uh, as I, I, th- I thought we may do, with the uh, lengthy uh, going through every position type thing. So we'll answer those uh, in next week's pod uh, following the Burnley game, which back to games that realistically we can challenge against. Although, are we actually going to... Because it's at home. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see, won't we? Um, thanks again, guys, for, for contributing. It's always uh, delightful to talk to you. And yourself. Likewise. Yeah. Pleasure. And um, a special thank you to uh, to Jordan as well, because uh, he's suffering at the minute and um, he's, he's still managed to come on for the pod, which is um, all credit. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks. Yeah, my, my train of thought was going a few times during some less sentences, but yeah, we, we got through it. We got through it. We did. All right, so join us again uh, next week as we dissect Burnley. Uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more about that, that game than we did Man City because, well, hopefully it's a bit fun, a bit more fun to, uh, to talk about. But uh, until then, uh, we'll see you next time. We've been the Motford Pods. Give us a review on, on the uh, Apple Podcast. Just go to Apple Podcast, scroll down to the bottom and give us a, a rating out of five. Uh, and if you want to join our Patreon, you can do. Just search for Watford uh, FC Buzz Podcast on the Patreon and you'll find us there. All right, that's it from me. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>